Brilliant. I'm so glad Roxy shared that thing about happiness and joy because it leans right into what I want to say this morning. And it, uh, it also, yeah, the first song we sang, Then Sings My Soul, My Savior God to Thee. And I just want to, I see John, Emmanuel is here. It's great to see you, brother. Operation, everything's gone well. And it's wonderful to see you and Kathy here together this morning. So really good to see you in, in strength, in body, and in spirit uh, this morning. Amen. There was someone else that I saw. Theo. Yes, Dave Price. There, Dave. Morning, Dave. Nice to see you. All that we're walking through. There was someone else. I mean, yes, that's right. Claire Neville. And we prayed for you guys last week. Okay, and what you guys are walking through. And that you will find strength in the Spirit of God. And help you to walk through these tough times. Okay. All right. And it's really in line, folks, of what I want to speak into this morning. But as you know... We are walking into our seventh 21 days of prayer and fasting now tomorrow. We start on the 7th of February. So we WhatsApped out the booklet yesterday, and I want to thank you, Farnas, for all the effort and hard work you've placed into that book. It's going to be like a Bible study, and some of you might know what, don't know what biblical jurisprudence is, but this book is going to help us to understand what it truly means when Paul speaks about to keep the unity of peace, the bond of the Spirit that Christ has given us, how we do that to one another because the church is always fighting and beating each other up and then kicking people out and hoping for the best. Okay, and how we do that together so that we are we look like something that the world looks to and goes, Wow, your people are who are your people? And that's how it plays out. So we have got booklets that have been printed for you. You can collect them in the foyer, and then afterwards, I don't know how many you printed Lister, Donations, but there should be enough better. I mean, 70. Okay. All right. So there's 70 booklets out there. But if you want to use it on your iPad or use it on your phone, we've WhatsApped it out that you can download and you can have it on a device. But if you want a printed copy, it is out there. You can do it from there. But what we're going to do through this month of February, um, it's, like, it's going to be a particularly focused kind of month on what God is speaking and saying to us. But I want to, what I want us to do, and I'll remind you in the week, I was having a meeting with Errol and someone else this week talking about a situation that they've got in their house, and Errol told the story of a, of a woman who used to pray for her son. Now, we all have heard of that guy, Rashid Stahi, okay, who was a big gang lord and uh, you know, gangster here in South Africa, in Cape Town particularly, and I think he's in prison at the moment. His 2RC, and I can't remember his name, but it doesn't matter, his 2RC, who was obviously with Rashid Stahi, his mom used to go to Errol's church when they were in Mitchell's Plain, that side then. What she used to do is she used to bring one of his shirts to the meeting, and they'd pray and they'd worship and they'd declare God's destiny over this pen, that he wouldn't be bound by the chains of the enemy and what he's walking in and the darkness that he's kind of encroaching, crunching, or whatever that is, encompassing his whole life. Today, that man leads a church in Mitchell's Plain. Okay, so you see the destiny of the enemy and the destiny of the Lord. And what I want us to do, and I'll remind you this week, we've all got people that are prodigals. We've all got those that have drifted far away. They could be in your family. They could be husband or wife. It could be a relative of some kind of sort. It could be a friend. I want us in faith to bring clothing or items that represent these people. And we're just going to put them around the front here. And they're going to stay here for the whole of February. And even, even longer. You can bring a picture. You can bring an item of clothing. You can bring something that represents this person. 
And we're not going to idol worship and bow to these things here and hope that they, something happens. But the Bible has got an example where Paul prayed over a cloth and they took it to the person and laid it on them and they were healed. So the Bible's model stuff for us. So in faith, we are going to present these items here. And we're going to put them in the front and we're not going to focus on them, but we're going to focus on God. And we're going to say, God, we are stepping out in faith that you bring restoration, you bring healing, you bring breakthrough, you bring salvation. Whatever we're believing for, for that person, we have to step out in faith in it and present it before God. And say, now we pray, we declare, and then Psalm 103 says that his angels go and do his word. He sends out, he sets an order over hearts and lives to capture them for the things of the kingdom. Okay, so I will remind you in the week to do that, and we're going to leave them kind of laying out here for the month. I don't know if some people might have to sneak in their kid's bedroom and take a piece of... Don't bring underwear, okay? <laughs> Please. It'll, bring, bring a t-shirt or a pair of shorts or a top or something. A scarf. Okay, my, my mother had a scarf that we prayed over in Clarence. And, that, and, and obviously, you know, from that scarf, when she wore it, she wore it a lot in winter. She, there was a measure of healing that took place. And then the journey is different how it worked out. She had faith to let go and go and be with her maker. Okay. And we, we are believing and God has been saying this time and season that we're walking into now is a time of signs and wonders. It's a season where the church is going to start seeing more of the supernatural being played out in our lives, in the circumstances around us. If we don't act on it and just sit passively going, okay, well, God do it. He's like, I'm waiting for you to do something. I want to work through you. So we're going to act in faith with these things, not to try and twist God's arm, but in faith that we want to see change and lives being set free by the power of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. All right, so I'll remind you in the week, we'll WhatsApp you, and we'll just bring clothing here and just lay it out on the front, and uh, pictures or whatever items might represent somebody, children to family members, whatever it is. And we're going to ask God to touch their hearts and their lives. Amen? All right. Okay, so I want to read from... Now, we quick. I'm not going to be long here this morning at all because I knew the meeting would be like that. So I prepared a really long sermon to preach it short. Um, if Hebrews 4, verses 8 to 13. And then we're going to break bread together. It feels like we haven't done that in a very long time. Dave, you timed it well. How did you know we were breaking bread today? He loves breaking a bread together. Is he there or is he falling asleep on the chair? I can't see him. No, he left. Okay. <laughs> Hebrews 4, um, uh, verses 8. It says here, okay, now speaking, the, the point of this passage is speaking about the rest of God. So when Elon is speaking about push, push one more time, it's not meaning trying harder in our own strength. It's meaning rest in the Sabbath rest of God and believing and trusting as you position yourself for him to do stuff. Watch what the Spirit will do as we align ourselves to what he's doing. So it says there in verse 8, it says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. Meaning there's a day to come when the full rest will be given to his people. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whomever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So our working out our salvation is a part of the journey, but striving hard to see God, the peace of God, the joy of God, all those things is from the place of rest. You can't work harder to conjure it up. You need to have faith to believe and live from that position. Okay? 
So let us therefore strive, it almost seems a contradiction, strive to enter that rest. Because you don't let up, you keep pushing, you keep believing, okay? So that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience as the people of Israel kept slipping into disobedience and losing out on the favor that God was pouring out to him. But the main part here is from verse 12. For the word of God is a living and active, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but we all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Okay, there's key sections in that passage there. The division of soul and spirit. Okay, and I want to touch on those two things here this morning as we kind of wrap things up. Okay, soul and spirit. There's a distinct difference of living from the place of your soul and living from the place of the spirit of God inside of you. You might have heard that phrase saying that sometimes people live in a soulish place. They're very soulish. Okay, and how they would think and how they'd operate about life. And then you get the place of the Spirit. I, I don't profess to be, guru is not the right word, a, a, uh, a expert, thank you, at this. But I've learned to understand what this means. I might not have all the right language, what I'm trying to say here, because this honestly has been a journey of understanding what this means and entails. Many of you in your workplaces might have done behavioral kind of programs and you fill out all these forms you do all these kind of things and it gives an idea of your behavior and what you do even in the church there are these these things that are rolled out to help us embedder ourselves our understanding of our makeup how we behave and respond to circumstances that is very soulish okay because it's all speaking about your emotions and your responses to stuff and the only way you overcome is by the power of the spirit not in your own strength, trying hard to be joyful. Or, I just need to have peace in the midst of turmoil. So you try harder from a soulish place to make those decisions and don't have the things of the Spirit that bring those things about as the free gift that's been given us to the people of God to live from that kind of place. Okay, so I want to just break down. We are made up of three parts. Body, flesh, soul, okay, and spirit. So essentially, you, we are all spirit beings in a fleshly tent that has a soul that helps us decipher and work and understand the things as we go through life. Okay? So I'm going to break that down even more. So your flesh, you can describe in three words as being desire, comfort, and convenience. Okay? So the flesh... The desires, Paul often speaks about the desires of the flesh. Okay, those are real. I'll read Galatians 5 a little later if we get there. But it's, it's, there's the flesh desire stuff. It just wants to be comfortable. Don't, don't put me under too much pressure. If you feel like you need to go running, your flesh says you don't need to run. It's going to hurt. Okay, so you don't do it because you know what's going to come from it. And just keep it convenient. Just keep it. There's no sacrifice. There's no kind of... Surrender to anything, yeah, just, just keep the peace. Okay, that's the flesh. That is constantly working in opposition to the Spirit. Constantly. No matter saved or unsaved, 
there's a tussle. Okay. Then you get your soul, which is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay, your mind will be your thinking. Okay, your will is that drive understanding for life that you get up every day and say, I'll take today on. It's in your soul place and then your emotions. Okay? Happy is an emotion. It's not a spiritual foundation. Okay? So you can try and be happy. So people try and fill their lives with happiness. Okay? By buying big houses and big cars and feel important and they feel happy. But in the depths of themselves, they're miserable. Because they don't have joy, which is from the spirit, not from that soul realm. And I've said it here before, I do not believe that emotions are truth. Emotion is not truth. That moment there, that emotion is helping you to make a decision where either you fall into the ways of the flesh and desires and those gratifications are answered, or you fall into the things of the spirit and you choose that path and that understanding and it builds a foundation into your heart and you walk with the fruit of the spirit in your life. Okay? Then there's the spirit that's inside of you. And Romans 8 says that his spirit bears with my spirit that I'm a child of God. And if I'm a child, well, then I'm an heir to the throne of God. Wow! That's the spirit of God inside of us. In Romans 8, it says they provided that you partake in the sufferings of Christ. It's not now because of the things of the spirit. It's all hunky-dory and it's all glorious. It's empowering the place for you to be able to take the day on, to take the week ahead of you on, the power of the Spirit that helps you. So the Spirit will be divided into three areas. You'll have wisdom, okay? You'll have communion with the Father through the Son, Jesus, okay? And then you will have conscience. And it's at this point where you know conscience is that, that bias, that gauge to help you to know whether you're walking in step with the things of the Spirit. Because if you sin... Your consciousness tells you that you are out of line with the order of what God has called you to be by the things of the Spirit. The enemy comes in and convicts. Oh no, he doesn't convict, he condemns. But we don't live under condemnation. Romans 8 starts with that. We are not under condemnation anymore. Okay, but the consciousness is the place of the Spirit helping you to make those decisions by the Spirit to live and walk in the fullness of God that has been invested inside of you. Okay, so here's, here's an example. It might seem frivolous, but it's the best way to understand it. You wake up on a Sunday morning, and you feel grumpy. You feel you've got a lot of pressure. You've got a busy week coming up. You've got a lot of things that you've got to do. Prepare in the office because you've got a big presentation Wednesday, and there's just things cluttering in on you. There's financial pressure. All sorts of things are happening in your world, in your life. You have a choice at that point. Okay, what do you do then? Okay, what happens? And it happens here every single Sunday. Okay, I'm just going to read through this because it help me understand it as we go through. I don't... Um, so you arrive grumpy. You decide, okay, I'm going to go to church. You're very happy with yourself that you practice self-control by not kicking the cat that was walking between your toes as you were trying to leave the house. And you kind of arrive at church going, okay. And I know this happens because somebody I spoke to last week said this exactly how they arrived at church last week. And we do. We arrive just with burdens. We're carrying things. This. Uh, but you start singing that first song. Then sings my soul. And you're like, whoo. And you can start feeling the place of your soul being refreshed. 
and your soul being restored as God just speaks to you, and you're cho- you've chosen from that place okay, to start worshiping, you start singing truth, it lifts your spirit, and your soul's being restored and refreshed, and suddenly fresh faith and hope are stirring inside your heart, and what starts happening is your flesh now starts responding to what your spirit is doing inside of you through your soul, and you'll lift your hands, and you'll clap, and you're, but you were feeling miserable ten minutes ago. It's as, it's as quick as that. It's as simple as that. Now, how to do this on a Tuesday morning when you wake up and you've got all the pressure on you and you don't have church and you don't have people around you. This is learning to live from the place of the Spirit where you understand these things that are going on inside of you in this tussle between the flesh to not fall into to, to the, the trap of what wants to always pull you down. Okay? And you're learning from the place of the Spirit. Okay? So then, as I said, the flesh responds. Okay, and you get home, and you still love your cat that you, didn't, you nearly kicked, but your perspective on what you're walking into this week now has all already changed. Because you're coming from a perspective of hope and of faith, and you understand God's strength inside of you by the place of your spirit. Then there's the counter of that. You wake up, and this is just an example. I'm not, I am not um, trying to sell church here. We all know what it says in Hebrews 10, 25, don't forget, and the forsake of gathering together. This is not to try and sell you, but you understand what happens here. You decide, you wake up, whatever time on a Sunday morning, and you know you've got a lot of pressure, and you think, you know what, I'm so tired. I'm just going to take it easy today. So you sleep in a little longer. I can't sleep in because the dogs bark next door all the time. It's terrible. Anyway, no, I don't. And you choose to stay at home. And you think, you know, I could get up and read the Bible and stuff on Sunday, but actually, you know what? I'm just tired and I need rest. So, you know what? A good old series on Netflix will probably just do me the well. And so you binge watch till 12. And then you eventually get up and you think, okay, well, let's take on the day. Then you get an email from your version for verse of the day and you read that like, Wow. That's good. And you feel slightly happy about yourself that you've engaged in some sort of spirituality. And uh, you're like, well, yeah, that really speaks to you when you put your phone back down and you carry on. And you go through the day. Now you're realizing, sure, Wednesday is this big presentation. So you just catch up on a little bit of social media, catch up on your messages with people. And you go through your day feeling fine, but you still realize you stayed at home because you're tired. And I need to look after myself. That, for me is choosing what the flesh and the soul wants. And you choose what you want. And you choose what's best for me. How are you now prepared for the rest of the week? It's going to be a very different week. And I'm not being legalistic here about coming to church. I'm telling you the difference of what happens when we respond. You can wake up on Monday morning and spend a good long time with God and set an order around the things of the Spirit over your life and that helps you. That's why... We choose to do it every day. That's why we choose to read the Word of God. So I know it's a, it's a stupid example, but I know that happens. And we wake up with different emotions that control our days. But actually from the place of the Spirit, you get to choose and understand the life of Christ that is living inside of you. Okay? And Yeah, okay. So there's a constant tussle. Okay, now as we worship here this morning... I'll just remind again, John 4, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. You see, it's to worship in spirit and in truth. 
it starts, the worship sets a tone over your heart and your life. Okay? So when you understand, you've got a choice at that point. And it's just the Sunday morning I'm speaking about. You either choose discipline and surrender, saying, I will be disciplined to what I live for and how I serve God and what I do by choosing the things of the Spirit. Or you choose the way of the, of the flesh, which is self-gratifying and comfort. Okay? There's one in spirit and one in flesh. The choice you make will bring your soul to either flourish or be burdened. And how we live from the place of the spirit that God's giving us. So there's a lot of passages I could read here. In Galatians 5, we know it's, Paul speaks about gratifying the desires of the, of the flesh, which speaks about the sexual, moral, immoral. The, there's, a whole, there's a whole lot of words. We know that before the Galatians, the Galatians 5, fruit of the spirit. That he speaks about those are the kind of things that will take place when we gratify the flesh. Ephesians 2, he speaks about that. 1 John, he speaks about I want to give you a quick example in the Bible about probably the most important person in the Bible, and that's Jesus. And Jesus uses these words in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he now is going to pray with his disciples after he's kind of spent time with them, and he showed them the, the Last Supper, and they've done that. They walked across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. You walk down the valley, and you walk up on the other side, and the Garden of Gethsemane, is this, there's this, is this kind of a, uh, olive trees that are in around there in the garden. And he often used to go there with his disciples. He took all 12 and he said to Peter, James and John, he said, just come with me a little bit further. And he said, just come pray with me. Okay? And he went a little bit further with them. And these are the words Jesus said. Because okay? he was clearly in all his humanity, he was experiencing this. Okay? So he took them to and he says, he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Jesus still had to make a choice about what he was feeling, the burden and the sorrow he was feeling on his heart. What did he do? He went before the Father. Say, Father, take this cup from me. Now he's not asking, please don't I, have to die? I don't have to die. He's not asking of that. He's saying, God, please help me ensure that I go the whole way. That I don't fall short of the cross. I want to go right to that point where I'm hanging before you and I'm taking the sin upon this, of this world upon myself. I don't want to die on the way. I want to die there. I want to complete exactly what you're asking me to do. Help me. I don't think any of us have faced knowing that tonight and tomorrow you're going to die. And you're healthy. But people are going to take your life. Your soul is going to be very sorrowful. You're going to have a lot of emotion going down. How are you going to deal with it? And there's, there's keys to what Jesus is showing us here. Time. There's a guy that wrote a book, If You Would Just Spend One Hour. Just spend one hour. We don't know if he went an hour every time because he went three times. Because he said to them, could you not just spend one hour with me? Because every time he went back to the disciples, they were sleeping. And I truly believe there is that they weren't carrying the burden Jesus was carrying. See, no one carries your burdens. You carry what you carry. The context of a community encourages and helps you to see like, well, the other people, you're also carrying stuff. And I trust and I believe God. But yes, we went back and the third time he came back and he says, okay, well, you're still sleeping. Okay, my, my betrayer is at hand. And he says these words... He says, um, 
Again, found them sleeping in the so leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time and saying his words later. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later. On See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now something's changed. He's, he's from the place of sorrow and depth in his soul that he can't, he's asking God to help him He's found strength. It says in that passage, the angels came to attend to him. I bet you don't even know, but I'm sure there's angels that come and attend to you. And he prayed and he asked God to help him. I believe at that point, he stood and with his eyes, he was strong in spirit. And said, I need to face this now. And here it comes. And then this whole entourage of people and Judas and everybody came through. There's some classics in this story when you read the different versions. Of what plays out there. When Jesus says like... Who are you looking for? He said, Jesus of this. I am he. And he says these words and they all fall back and fall to the ground. You're like, what, what happened there? And he won the contest. I think John says that. But Jesus showed us a model here. His soul was also carrying burdens and sorrowful. But he learned what it was and he knew what it was to understand the place of the Spirit. And he found strength to face the reality of what he had to walk for the things of God. Other interesting things that passage it says, this young man was hanging around them and he got so frightened in the midst of it that, that his whole cloak fell off and he ran away naked. But it was also said at the end there that the disciples all fled. They all left him. They made an emotional decision. Because they weren't facing what he's facing, but I'm telling you, I was talking with a group of pastors the other day, that if uh, there was a couple of you guys put in position and they were going to take your life and shoot you if you didn't renounce the name of Jesus, if you had the chance to run, I bet you you'd run. We all say bravado, yeah, I'll stay. Mm, I don't know. The disciples who hung with Jesus three and a half years, they ran. Out of what? Wetting their pants. This is crazy what's happened here. They're out of there. They made an emotional decision, which is essentially a stylish place. They're like, I'll be out of here. But what happened after that? That 12... Well, that group of 72 changed the world. Because they then understood they can, what they come up against and what they face because they experienced the power of the Spirit of God and that Pentecost moment changed everything. And the boldness that touched their hearts, they could face anything. Yes, they still had journeys of their heart and their soul, but they didn't live from that place. They lived from the place of the Spirit of God. Now, we've got a choice leading up to these 21 days. Your flesh is already saying, just take it easy, man. Just, just don't be so harsh on yourself. Just, just stop sugar in your coffee. Just little steps. Okay? And you actually never fully feel the weight of your flesh crying out to you. You've, you've got to go. Yeah, there's, there's a word in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 20, I think it is, where Paul speaks about, I discipline my body. That word is only used twice in the New Testament. The word there is actually referring to what the, later on the monks and everything took is where they would actually beat themselves. I discipline my body. This flesh, you come into line. Stop gratifying them. Just bum, they whip themselves. But you know where the second time that word is used is where the judge is speaking with the persistent widow. And he says, I'm just going to give her what she wants until she beats me down for what she wants. The discipline there is speaking about a persistence to keep pushing. 
and not allowing the flesh to actually take control and make decisions for you. Because that soul, your soul's the gateway of the decision that you get to make. And what comes out on the other side is fruit of the Spirit, if you choose the way of the Spirit. Now we've got 21 days ahead of us. You, and you, you in the strength of your own maturity in the things of Christ need to make a decision that you're not going to just choose the easy route. Because there's something about choosing the way of the Spirit that is suffering, that is, that is a, a humility required, and it requires discipline. And I'm not trying, now go and go extreme and uh, no food, and I'm just going to drink water for 21 days. You haven't prepared yourself physically to do that. After five days, you will smack a burger from McDonald's in no time. I promise you. Don't, don't be ignorant about, in, in, we walk into these things with maturity, say, God, help me now. What do, what, do you, what do you want? To go on a journey here, but you've got to feel the flesh. You've got to feel that saying no to it. And then we push through these kind of things. Watch for the things. And this again speaks into folks. Seed, time, and harvest. If you keep sowing those seeds to the flesh, you will reap to the flesh. Through the gateway of your soul. If you keep throw, sowing to the spirit, the harvest will be of the fruit of the spirit. And there's basics. When you want to live by the things of the spirit, I'll finish off with this. There's just a few things here. Is that you have to spend time in the word. You have to know the Father. Jesus spent hours there praying, take this cup from me. His whole walk was so close with the Father. Don't walk ignorantly and feel good about yourself with those old promise box things. As you walk out the door, verse for the day, oh, I'm, you know, the, the head, not the tail. Praise God. You throw it back and you think, yes. That's not going to strengthen you when you get fired and you don't know how to deal with the circumstance. Time. Time with the Father. The second thing is a test to know whether you're living out of the things of your soul or the flesh and your spirit is when you're under pressure. And the explanation the friend gave it is that you take a toothpaste and you squeeze it, something comes out, right? If you're under pressure and you're put into a corner, the way you respond is a key indicator if you're living from the place of the flesh or the spirit. And there's the test. So you get fired and you lose the, your plot over this. There's no trust in God and you just carry on and da-da-da-da-da and the flesh is freaking out. But the praise of the Spirit will be of peace. Okay, God? However this plays out. And that may be not the best example there. Someone cuts you off in the traffic. There's the simple example. I tell you, our, the tone in our, on our roads is the tone of our people. Forever shouting and hooting and screaming at each other. And it's always at these big vans called taxis. Because there's a paradigm of that vehicle is a problem. I will cut him off. He will not do me. What comes out when you put under pressure? And it's learning under the place of the Spirit that what comes out there will be the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. So we've got a choice ahead of us. And while I prayed earlier on in the meeting about the this, this Spirit, I had a dream on the 4th of January. And the word that just kept going through my dream was Spirit of Infirmity. Spirit of Infirmity. Spirit of Infirmity. And the Spirit of Infirmity is a demonic spirit. 
that preys and plays on weak people physically and mentally. And what it, what it will do, it will latch onto an opportunity where the flesh falls into this weakness of physical healing or emotional and, uh, and mental healing. And it's a demonic spirit that disables and cripples you both physically and mentally. And I truly believe that we will see people being set free more and more this year to be healed from that crippling, binding spirit over people's hearts and lives and minds. Okay? And that's what part of this 21 days of us just positioning ourselves, God's going to do a deeper work in our hearts and lives. And the good news is that our healing rooms, who we haven't been able to meet and do that, but every single Sunday after church, there's going to be a team of people that are going to be here to minister and pray with you. If you want prayer, come and receive it. God will stand. We, we are fighting for breakthrough here. You can't find it on your own. You need community. You need a people around you. Stand with you in agreement and set you free by the power of the Spirit of God that lives inside of us. Sorry. I've gone on a little bit, but I'm believing that God is going to do that. When we lay all these clothes here, the spirit of infirmity and those things that are binding those, those, those family members of that will start loosing their hold and will see freedom come to their hearts and lives. And just the final test, you see, if you're annoyed that it's 20 to 12, and the Spirit of God has touched us so deeply in this place, and you are moaning about wanting to go home, you are responding in the flesh. I had to say it. Because if it's in the things of the Spirit, what is the hurry? Where are you rushing to? Willies. You've got to pick up Aiden at 12 from the party. You've got to get your kids. I'm just, see, see how we get so caught up in my well, and the, the another, another key thing, sorry, and I left this out, I didn't read my notes much today, is the problem, Matthew 16, 24 says, Jesus says, that if you want to serve me, you must lay down your life. And you know what the problem with most of our stuff is selfishness. It's all about me. And if you don't let go of self, you won't serve the Lord fully. I guarantee you that. Because it's all about what you get out of it. Yeah. Thanks for that golf clap there. That's awesome. But listen to me. That is a key factor. When you let go of self, and now we walk in 21 days, and we, it's going to be a bit painful to sacrifice or pulling away with some food or some social media or some kind of context. Feel the pain, people. There's the suffering. There's hard. There's hard. Well, what are you living for? Yourself? Or do you want to serve God and to allow the Spirit of God? And you keep doing that pattern, watch the fruit of the Spirit come through your life. Amen. Even when you're under pressure. Now we get the opportunity to take communion together. So if people could lift the things on the tables and you could go and get yourselves a piece of bread and a glass and go back to your chairs and we'll finish off praying together over this. So just go and get yourselves a glass, a piece of bread and we'll go back to your chairs and we'll pray over what God is doing in this place. Kathleen, just give me one, please. Yeah, we've got it, John. Thanks, my babes. Okay. And then let's go back to our seats and we'll just do this together. Because I'm talking to everyone, not to you. Yeah. <laughs> sure.
And so we want to acknowledge our King and our Maker this morning that gives us this access. That as we worship Him this morning, you can feel all of heaven partners and joins us as we sing, Holy is His name, Worthy is His name. We stand together with the people of God, but all of heaven celebrates and rejoices with us. This is not just a frivolous little meal we partake of. A price was paid for your freedom, for your healing, for your deliverance, for your salvation. And this is the remembrance we have. Of thanking our King Jesus. So Father we come to you this morning as a people. So hungry to be used by you and your kingdom. For your kingdom. Lord as we embark on this 21 days coming up. I pray Lord that you'd help us. To not satisfy the desires of the flesh. We respond to your spirit. And we say come alive. Choose the way of the spirit. Those who are led by the spirit of the sons of God. And so, Father, as we acknowledge your body that was beaten for us, we now claim a healing and salvation as we eat of this. We thank you for your blood that was shed. There is life in the blood, and it flows through our veins. And we respond this morning as your people, remembering what you have done for us. Jesus, we acknowledge you this morning. Amen. 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 Let's eat together. Thank you, Lord. 